Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. The football season is back, and you know that's going to mean we're going to have all football talk this week. Welcome to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. This is Jared podcasting alongside alongside Lucas, Wyatt, and Bart. Unfortunately, Aiden is not able to join us, but we'll be calling in with some takes, mm-hmm. so we definitely will be sharing those with y'all, but let's, let's get straight into it with some news we missed because I know this episode is going to be a behemoth. So <laughs> starting on news we missed. We're going to talk about baseball. You probably didn't think we would be talking about baseball, but we are. Of course, it's off the field, not on the field to start off the the podcast. The MLB is going to ban defensive shifts uh, and implement a pitch clock next season. Lucas is already thumbs down in that. The pitch clock I'm fine with. The Banning the shift I still have never been a fan of. Yeah. It's like banning a strategy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. It just doesn't make like any sense. banning the forward pass in football. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> No, it's not it quite just sounds like zone yeah. coverage or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Although the NBA banned zone defense until like 1990 something or early 2000s, which is still crazy to me as somebody who never really grew up in that era of basketball. But I think there was a reason they went away with it or or did away with that um, that ban. I think the MLB is going to probably reach the same conclusion someday too. But we'll see. Yeah, they need to ban zone defense in bookstore basketball at Notre Dame. By the way, that was our Achilles heel. <laughs> Um, it was <laughs> jumping around a little bit to uh, some on-field baseball. Aaron Judge hit his fifty-seventh home run, right, Lucas? Yep, yep, against the Red Sox, fifty-six and fifty-seven tonight, both. Oh my goodness! Uh, against the left? struggling Red Sox, what? Uh, what's up, Bert? Like twenty or so, and how, I think. How like many more does he have to the record? Uh, to the overall record, 16. He's probably not going to get there. But to the American League record, the American League record, 61. So he's only four away with like 20 games left. So he should probably hit that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And then another baseball player chasing a milestone is Albert Pujols, who last time I checked is at 697 home runs. So he's passed Mm -hmm. A-Rod, but three away from 700. Which would be super cool. He's he's like actually hitting really well, really well right now, yeah. and the, and like helping the Cardinals win too. So that's kind of fun to watch. Is he going to retire at the end of the season? Um, I feel like it feels like it's like a farewell tour right now. But maybe I'm just completely making that up. I don't know. Maybe it's just because yeah, he's so old. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, right. it's got to happen here at some point. Yeah, I'm shocked he's still playing. He's 42. If he gets the 700, he'll just call it right then and there. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Shoot. I would too. Um, some NBA news, again, off the court. NBA owner of the Suns, Robert Sarver, has been suspended and fined $10 million for various workplace misconduct, um, like uh, fostering a environment that isn't welcoming, that sort of stuff. Anybody have thoughts? It's just a, it's a big, it's a big punishment. They must have uh, found a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, going to our NFL news now, 
Um, and we'll have an NFL show for the rest of this show. College football will be later this week. Trust us. We will have that. But um, in the NFL news, my favorite story probably, Kirk Cousins fell just short of Michael Irvin's eight-touchdown prediction on NFL <laughs> on NFL Network, but he did have a good game, obviously led the Vikings to win over the Packers. Aaron Rodgers already kind of beefing, using his you know passive aggressiveness against his receivers, which is uh, also a fun storyline. But the rest of the media is talking about that. We're we're not going to be talking about that today. Maybe next week. We'll see. Um, that was fun though. T.J. Watt, not fun. Tore his pec, but he doesn't need surgery. So, stay tuned on the timetable, Wyatt. What is the timetable? Six weeks, I think. What oh, yeah, a minimum. Okay, that's quick. It could be more, but you know. All right. Um, the talk of Monday Night Football, Nathaniel Hackett's head coaching debut, kicked a 64-yard field goal, wasted a lot of time on the clock instead of letting Russell Wilson, the guy that they traded for, to try to get that fourth and five or fourth and four or whatever it was. Anybody have thoughts that they want to share real quick? Just all-time bad clock management for that game. All the way yeah. across the board. From from the start to finish, it was just bad. Couldn't get any plays in. There were just so many delays of delay of games. Just look, they look they just looked really sloppy. And it, it kind of showed as a rookie head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw if, Reddit comments saying he's already on the hot seat, which I think is a joke, <laughs> but like you can't ever be sure. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that serious, but yeah, it did not look good as a coaching performance. If the kicker made that though, the Seahawks have no time left. It's a master stroke. Mm-hmm. But it's like this, it would have been the second longest field goal in NFL history. Yeah, know? and he'd be like, like look yeah. at his belief in his players. That's all I'm saying. But the, but he missed. So. <laughs> That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying, though. It's, hindsight's 20 um, My favorite, my mm-hmm. other favorite um, <laughs> storyline headed into week two, I guess. The Cleveland Browns unveiled a new mascot called Brownie the Elf. Anybody anybody seen this or have thoughts on this? I think they just like unveiled this today. I have seen it. Yeah, it's not it's, it's not a new mascot. He was our mascot like way in back in the 40s. Line, well, it looks yeah, like they kept now, the 40s logo. It looks old. Yeah. What do you think of it? You like it? Yeah, C+. Is it a logistics company or what what industry are they in? I don't know. Children's just toys. Why why do they have <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. It just doesn't make any Consumer sense. Consumer goods. <laughs> Consumer products. No, so yeah, it was, it was originally logo in the '40s, and of course, the the way this got brought back up again was a, a Twitter poll that the Browns put out. So of course, it's going to be like the most obscure mascot <laughs> or logo is going to get picked. Like so when people it's voted Yale. for Pitbull to go perform in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. never end well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. Well, we're going to get into the show proper here. Uh, we're going to talk about. I mean, there was too much to talk about. Um, so we're just going to all kind of give our favorite NFL week one storyline or narrative. Any mm-hmm. storyline that doesn't involve a certain team, because we will get to them, trust us. But let's go put our narratives out there. Lucas, I'm sure we all know who you're going to be talking about here. What's your narrative? Your favorite narrative yeah. from week one? My favorite narrative this week I want to push is that there should be no doubts that Jalen Hurts is the Eagles franchise quarterback after this week. Um, and I feel pretty strongly about this. It's been one game, <laughs> but again, I am ready to push the narrative. So let's just start with the basics, how the team performed against the Detroit Lions this past weekend. Against the Lions, the Eagles have the highest scoring offense in the NFL of any team, dropping 38 on the Lions, who have been the darlings of the NFL. Dan Campbell, supposedly good defense, doesn't matter. 
Eagles dropped 38 more than any other team scored this past weekend. If you're leading that offense, that's a very good sign for your team going forward. The offense was largely able to run efficiently because of how Hurts played. He started off really poorly, 0 for 6, but once he sort of got the nerves out, played really, really well. 18 for 26, 243 yards, no interceptions. Yes, no touchdowns. But there were two passes where the, the receiver was tackled at like the one or two yard line, so there's just some like luck that I think goes into that at that point, and they were able to punch it in right after. And I think it's unquestionable that his passing game has improved, in large part due to acquiring A.J. Brown, who is really the first elite receiver he's ever had. I think he had 13 targets this past week, A.J. Brown, and just dominated like against the Lions. So I think that's really going to help Hurts' passing game. I think it is a good sign, too, that Brown had that many targets, and Devontae Smith had no catches, and he still the passing game was still really good, even without Devontae Smith having any catches. So it's not just the passing, but it's the running, which have made the Eagles most prolific or one of the most prolific offenses. The rushing attack was great this year. It's great again this year. Hurts ran for 90 yards and a touchdown this weekend. And that sort of dual threat ability, I think, is what makes him the Eagles franchise quarterback. After the game, he got a ton of praise from Jason Kelsey, Coach Nick Sirianni. And I think I agree. He's an improved passer, an elite has an elite receiver, and his running is as good as ever. So because of all that, I'm going to push the narrative that any talk of Jalen Hurts not being the Eagles franchise quarterback should be out. Weren't you talking about Jalen Hurts not being the franchise quarterback like the end of last postseason? <laughs> and he put it to, and he put it to bed. <laughs> and he put it to bed. He proved me wrong. He proved me wrong. He looked great. Like he just like he. I mean the the, the first like five, the first half of the first quarter was not great. He started zero for six, but after he just sort of like worked that out, he made really good quick decisions. He just ran the offensive really effectively, and I was impressed. I saw that the Eagles had the the second highest touchdown slash first down ratio of any team after the chiefs so mm-hmm. but yeah also one game maybe the Lions defense is just terrible <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, pro- it probably is let's be honest no but i know i it's it was exciting as a jalen hurts supporter definitely good yeah. to see really cool. yeah there's gonna be some trash some ma- some mad trash talk going on in the the Lions practices this week between uh is it Deuce Staley and I, I can't remember the other guy's name. They, they were trash talking a lot in Hard Knocks. Yeah, be I don't remember talk. either. But <laughs> um, Bart, what's your what was your favorite Week One storyline? I am so happy that Jameis Winston is back, baby. Lasik Jameis, Jameis is yeah, Lasik Jameis. He has picked up right where he left off last year. <laughs> he had 14 touchdowns to three picks in just seven games. Then he got hurt. And we, we don't know what could have happened, but he was looking really nice last year, and he still looks nice this year. I will admit, mm-hmm. he started off super slow. It looked really bad for the Saints at first. He had, he was 5 for 10 in the first half for 24 yards. <laughs> he got mm-hmm. sacked for 26 yards in the first half, so the Saints actually had negative pass yardage. But mm-hmm. ultimately, he's a huge reason that the Saints won. He killed it in the fourth quarter. He led two huge touchdown drives. He also had some slick throws on the last drive where they had the 51-yard game winner his stats ultimately were real nice Jarvis got involved Michael Thomas had a couple of touchdowns so he's clearly syncing up with his receivers Alvin Kamara was like the one downside of this offense for me I mean once they picked it up and knocked the rust off Jameis looked like he was leading them really nicely so I'm excited to see that continue like Wyatt said the LASIK actually seems like it might have made a difference (laughs) because Jameis is still looking real nice I love it when Jameis succeeds and he's I think he's one of just like the most 
Oh, it's fun. I think it's a good comeback story. You can frame it as a comeback story. I don't like I him he... from the, the Florida State year still, to be honest. Oh, but I don't know. He's one of he's one of the most fun road. people in the NFL. Exactly. Like. Time to heal. He's one of the what? The what? He's one of the most fun people in the NFL. Like I love rooting for him. You know. Interesting. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, some people like that. Everyone wrote, wrote like everyone was like ah thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. It was like the <laughs> trollest season, but maybe he's actually a decent quarterback. <laughs> I think so. 30 touchdowns, 30 picks to 2020 vision, and now look at him. Now look at him. Uh, we have our caller in for the episode, Aiden, who's going to tell us about his favorite NFL Week 1 storyline. Okay, my favorite Week 1 narrative is around Trey Lance, and particularly the fact that I think he's going to lose the starting job before the end of the season. We're talking about a mature, talented team when it comes to the 49ers. Yes, they didn't have a dominant regular season last year, just going 10-7. and But they made it to the conference finals. They made it to the Super Bowl only two years earlier. The expectations for this year remain high, despite an essentially rookie QB. So losing to the Bears is not great. And this is a Bears team that was bad last year and then had a very bad offseason. So it does not bode well for the Niners and the NFC West a conference that had the most combined wins of any conference last year and maybe has gotten slightly worse, given that Russell Wilson's gone and whatnot, but is still challenging. The fact that they lost to the Bears, not a great sign to start out with. And week one, Trey Lance wasn't awful per se, but he wasn't good. He had a 46% completion rate, 5.9 yards per pass attempt, no TDs, an interception. And it was pretty clear that the Bears defense was not scared of him. Saw a stat that Trey Lance was only the seventh QB in the past 15 seasons to drop back 30 plus times and not face a blitz. And that already kind of provides a blueprint for defenses against Lance until he can figure that out. He just doesn't seem like he's ready to pass at the NFL level. And yes, the blame doesn't fall squarely on Trey Lance's shoulders. The conditions were absolutely wild. Not every game will be a slip and slide game. And the team as a whole was not great. The O-line, despite the lack of pressure or the lack of blitzes, still allowed Lance to actually be pressured on the the Bears' four-man rushes. But all of this would be a lot easier if this was a team that, you know, had drafted in the top three or five organically and was ready to have a season that was dedicated to developing a rookie QB or an essentially rookie QB. But obviously there's another option here hanging out in the background, an old friend, Jimmy G. And note that Jimmy G's new, much less lucrative contract has $6.5 million in guaranteed salary and $8.5 million in playing time incentives. It's kind of weird to have playing time incentives like that worked in for a guy who is not supposed to play. So I don't really know what that means. But I, I'm assuming that the, the team leaders on the Niners, if things go downhill and continue to not look great with Trey Lance, will not be patient with a young QB, and there will be pressure to put Jimmy G in. So I think Jimmy G will end up starting at some point this season. Ouch. That's tough on Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. Aiden mentioned it, but I think the weather is such a big factor that one game is not enough to pass judgment. Yeah. people They played a monsoon. (laughs) It was like how people were describing it. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody said the field looked like a Van Gogh, like the way that everything <laughs> yeah. had been like swirled around. But I don't know. I do think, yes, that was one game. But I also think just like speaking more broadly, I think he's going to have a pretty short leash, Trey Lance, just because it's like there's a known quantity 
always coming in there to replace him. Like, say what you will about Jimmy G. He's not, like, a great quarterback, but he, again, led them to a Super Bowl and a conference championship game in the last three years. If, like, the level of play dips at all below that or those expectations, I think people are going to be calling for him back. Like, it's a different situation when it's just, like, Trey Lance. If you were to, if they had, like, traded Jimmy G in the offseason and it's just Trey Lance's team and there's no, like, alternative. But because there's, like, a clear alternative, I think people are going to give him a pretty short leash. Like, the media and everything. I don't know what the team will do. But I think, like, the media and fans and stuff have a pretty short lease for Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, on the, like, pregame show on Fox, they were talking about they got the team captains together beforehand to, like, say, we know there's going to be growing pains, so give Trey Lance all the support he needs and don't, like, start leaking stuff, basically. So I think he has a longer leash than a lot of people think, actually. I think they mm-hmm. this was expected. Like you said, the weather was really bad, too. I think it was expected that this there's going to be some rockiness, you know. Yeah, I would I would be really shocked if the 49ers, after trading three first round picks for for Trey Lance, decided that after three games that that, that was the kind of the end of his leash, and we'll try again next year. I think it's yeah. worth their while to to protect their investments. But I do think mm-hmm. though, from a fan perspective, and especially from a media perspective. He will be underneath the microscope for the rest of the year, especially because he didn't silence the doubters this week. Yes. Wyatt, what was your favorite narrative from week one? It's not a spicy take, but I'm going to get ahead of it. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And coming into this year, he was somewhere in that top five range. I would have put him in the top five, no doubt, but a lot of people had been ranking wide receivers. Some people were kind of, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, put him at six or something like that. I'm way ahead of all that. Crown him right now. Put the crown on his head. That man is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, the, the stat line was insane. About nine nine catches for 180-plus for two touchdowns. An otherworldly performance for a wide receiver. And honestly, how could you even be that surprised? Because he's put up something similar before in years past. My greatest take of all time was that Justin Jefferson was the most – not was the non QB that was most likely to win rookie of the year because I said I watched the tape, I liked him, and he was not a consolation prize for the Vikings. I have been way right about that, and I'm going to be way right about this right now. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. He didn't win rookie of the year though. So no, he but he right. was most. But he was my <laughs> pick. Shut he should. He should have, and he was my pick for most likely to win rookie of the year. No, yeah, he was. I, that was. I do remember. Point. I actually vividly remember that. Mm-hmm. What about that was Cooper a great Cup? Take. How 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 are we just gonna write off Cooper Cup right away like that? The ability from it, from Justin Jefferson is clearly way higher. I'm crying. I don't know. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup is is always open. He's unguardable. I don't know about way higher, but I do think JJ is higher. The th- the difference now is that Kevin O'Connor is gonna use JJ the exact same way the Rams use Cup. They scheme him open. They deliberately make plays so that he only he can mm-hmm. get open, which is exactly how Cup gets used. So his numbers should be just as good now. We'll see. And. 39 points in fantasy this week. Let's go, JJ. <laughs> That's great. Anybody who has him on their team, good stuff. My first round pick. I picked him fourth overall. As you should. Over McCaffrey. And he, I just, I was... here's, that made the difference. You beat Bart by 0.24 points this last Eat week. Eat it, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> Tough look. Next, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bart, for the segue. Uh, I, I did, there was a bunch of very interesting week one storylines, but I did want to talk about a game that I actually watched and I was one of the unfortunate souls that got to watch the 49ers bears game in my local market. 
But in that game, I found out that Justin Fields and the Bears are maybe the easiest team in the league to root for right now, especially Justin Fields. The Bears secretly hoped Justin Fields would play his way to a number one or number two overall pick this year. I'm convinced of that. This is how it's supposed to go in their mind. First, they hire a defensive head coach, which already is a head scratcher, when offensive head coaches are the way to go in this league right now. The new GM, Ryan Poles, he's saying, all right, I didn't even get a first-round pick in my first year. How am I supposed to create this team in my image? The answer is tanking for 2023. It's kind of a respectable tank because they didn't have any, really any cap space, so they their hand was a little forced. But you need to give your young QB some help on the O-line or wide receiver core. I mean, look how well it's worked for Tua in week one and Jalen Hurts, for example. They did neither of those. Wide receiver, they let Allen Robinson go. They let Akeem Hicks go. And Allen Robinson should supposedly be like a really good weapon for the Rams this year. Their highest profile wide receiver signing was uh, Byron Pringle. And he got arrested in the offseason. So it was pretty tumultuous. O-line, they didn't draft a guard until day three. I think their first tackle was also drafted in the fifth round or something crazy like that. The Bears clearly are not a good team. But how it went down is that Justin Fields created all of the Bears off, pretty much all of the Bears offense. His numbers look bad mostly, but this is because of the trend that Lucas mentioned about Jalen Hurts, that Bart mentioned about Jameis Winston, is almost no quarterback, I'd say, outside of Mahomes did well in the first half. They all, like, so many quarterbacks had a really bad first half. Justin Fields' passer rating was 2.8. Kirk. Okay, there you go, Kirk. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields had a pass rating of 2.8 in the first half. <laughs> but like I said, a bunch of quarterbacks struggled. Um, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson did too. His second half passer rating, 145.8. Trey Lance was throwing from wide to wide open receivers in a really clean pocket. Justin Fields was making the receivers open because he was escaping the pocket. That's what I loved about it. And he did all of this in the rain too. Really good second half. I'm rooting for Fields to overcome all of this and force the Bears to build around him rather than, like I've said before, if you play your way into the number one overall pick, then you can't complain if they pick they pick a quarterback. But I'm rooting for Fields to, to force them to not pick a quarterback, essentially. Also, credit to the no-fun league for not throwing a taunting or unsportsmanlike conduct flag at the end when the Bears like slid mm-hmm. in the rain and did their little slip-and-slide celebration. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite moment of week one. And I'm a Bears fan right now because of that. The blue collar city, Jared. Blue uh, collar. And then <laughs> spicy bonus and take. And as well. Oh, go ahead. I say spicy bonus take. If just if the if the Bears are picking one and two, Justin Fields will be a New York Giant next year. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> mm. They're not going to pick one or two, though. No. Justin Fields is going to play his way plans. out of that. He's got other plans. Okay, the team that I alluded to at the very start that you you knew we had to talk about, they played on Sunday night. I guess two teams, Cowboys and Bucks. But we're gonna start with the Cowboys. There's trouble in Jerry's world right now, Wyatt. Uh, obviously, they lost. Dak Prescott is now injured. There's varying uh, accounts of how long he's gonna be out now, but he is going to be out for at least four games. Wyatt, what is the DefCon level right now for the Cowboys? This is DefCon one. When I was watching the game, I thought that it, would, pistol. It, it could be somewhere in the three to two range, kind of somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. But it, it just gets worse knowing that Dak Prescott is going to miss some <laughs> sub, some substantial time because of a thumb injury. So anywhere from six to eight weeks, I imagine it's going to be anywhere from eight to 10 to maybe even 12 weeks 
being out just because of its <laughs> its your, your medical expertise. Is <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's a thumb injury. I, they always give you the minimum, uh, but they never take the maximum. And, and being able to hold a football is going to be extremely important. But overall, I actually thought the defense played pretty well. Micah Parsons is clearly a generational linebacker. He's their best player on defense by far. He was making plays all over the field. And Trayvon Diggs, for all the crap that we've given him, he looked pretty dialed in coverage. And that there was a couple. That, there's a couple mm-hmm. nice PBUs. But that's about as far as the compliments go for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Did that offense look like it had a lot of talent on it? I mean, does it seem like there was a lot of stars on on that offense? Lucky for them, Zeke actually yeah, did look like... <clears throat> yeah, Man, That's a great point, Funny. Bart. <laughs> Lucky for them, though, uh, Zeke actually did look like he had a little bit of burst. Uh, and he seemed like a player that they could lean on. Unlucky for them, he he's... They sacrificed everybody else on the team just so he can be there. So, and they went away from the run game after you know a couple carries, and he only had 52 yards. <clears throat> Even up to the point of injury, Dak Prescott was putting together like a mediocre performance. Uh, but ultimately, like he's not going to be the scapegoat. Like the team looked bad through and through, and he's not the scapegoat for the situation. Jerry Jones is the reason why this team is failing and is going to fail this year. He had to get rid of Amari Cooper, who although had some motor issues in his career, but at the very least he could separate and create easy easy looks. But instead, Jerry Jones opted to punt on wide receiver twos uh, and, and went for Michael Gallup, who isn't even available because he's recovering from an ACL tear. Cedric Wilson is off having his best uh, best time of his life over in Miami. And, and Dak is throwing to guys twos and threes that we have never even heard of before. Na- <laughs> names that they could have just put in an auto-generator and just tossed out there. And we all love CeeDee Lamb, the prospect. But CeeDee Lamb, the wide receiver one, left a lot to be desired on Sunday no, night. I don't agree with that. He, he's put Jerry, Jerry Jones has put the expectations on Parsons, Diggs, Dak, Zeke, and CeeDee. And it is all crumbling in front of him right now. Okay, a lot of, off, like I just said, a lot of offenses had, offenses had really slow starts. They were heavily penalized. And a lot of teams were heavily penalized, so we don't know if that's actually a specific team trend, trend we do. yet. No, we don't. We know we and know Tampa what the Bay's Cowboys defense, it does. Tampa Bay's defense last year was the fifth best in terms of scoring defense. So I, I, you know, we need to say this was the the Cowboys like Detroit Lions game where maybe the Eagles probably played one of the worst defenses in the league. The Cowboys played one of the best um, defenses in the league, and it's not going to be super representative of how they'll be when Dak gets back. Running it back with Cooper Rush isn't great, but I'm looking at their next seven games. There's only two games where they're that are guaranteed losses, Bengals and Rams. After those, they can win all those games. They got the Lions, Giants, Bears, Eagles. I will book that they beat the Giants on week three on Monday Night Football, by the way, Wyatt. And Jerry Jones will give Mike yeah, McCarthy we'll some pointers and they'll write that, the ship. But... <clears throat> I don't know. I could see those all being losses. Well, any those game could, but those are, those are wins. Oh, those are wins. <laughs> yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Jared, uh, it's not, it, it, it does not count as a single team trend when the team that is that walked out of last walked out of Sunday night with 10 penalties was also the most penalized team in the league the year before. It's clear that like they're not well coached. Mike McCarthy is not putting together his best performance when it comes to coaching. They are penalized over and over and over again because of a lack of discipline, because of a lack of structure, and and it's not this 
phantom game where it, it's just kind of like an outlier. It, this is a trend that is continuing for the Dallas Cowboys, and I think is going to continue as time goes on. Silence. Look at him rebuttal. Is he frozen? <laughs> <laughs> I think he might be. Uh, well, just talk to me after they beat the Giants. Um, let's go to the other side of the ball, though. Is uh, with the Bucks obviously coming out with a win. Do you think this game is proof that all the concern and hullabaloo over Tom Brady's training camp absence was was kind of nonsense? No. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Bart. Split decision. Well, I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the offense looked totally fine. They they only put up nineteen, but they were reaching the the red zone at will. I mean, they looked fine. They're going to be fine, especially with the elite defense that Wyatt mentioned. So, or somebody mentioned. So, I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, is it weird that they just gave him his 11 days off or whatever? Sure. Uh, but I don't think there's any cause to be concerned. Yeah. I mean, it's like the first game of the season, too. I think we've, like, discussed it a lot of context about, like, just teams are not at their best. And, like, if you can, like, part say, get into the red zone enough – 19 points is, like, not a lot, but it's, like, there probably should have been more. Like, the same thing, I think, could be said of the Broncos, that we won't go too deep into that, where it's, like, yes, they lost that game, but they should have had at least 10 more points minimum than they did. So, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned either. The, the offense looked okay. Yeah, but it's not like they, they don't get the week one excuse when all of their hullabaloo is that they kept back all 11 of the starters or whatever, from from that championship team. They have the same defensive coordinator. They have the same offensive coordinator. They have all of the same personnel with Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette and Tom Brady. For the most part, their team is pretty much as complete as it was two years ago. I thought that the offense looked fine, but mostly I thought Leonard Fournette looked like the best player on the field for the Buccaneers, and I didn't think that Tom Brady exactly put together an exceptional performance. He only had 212 yards. He had a touchdown. He had an interception. I mean, that's about as, as basic as it goes. We've seen plenty of guys from Gardner Minshew to Patrick Mahomes put together uh, stat lines like that. So it doesn't exactly pop off to me that Tom Brady has, has silenced any doubt in my mind that he is as dialed in and as ready to go this year as he has been in years past. Yeah, I'm going to chalk it up to the lack of preseason, lack of playing in the preseason, which was another trend that the commentators love to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. How there was not that much uh, gelling going on between, like, whether it's the old line or quarterbacks and wide receivers. I'm going to chalk it up to that. And a lot of, like, Wilson and Rodgers also struggling. Really top tier quarterbacks. Now all three new of them teams. are struggling. Wilson and Rodgers have new teams. Tom Brady does not. Mm, same system. He's got a new coach. No, he doesn't. They yeah, were there last it's year. It's not Bruce Arians anymore. But the but the coaches the offensive the offensive coaches and defensive coaches were there last year. Yeah, well we'll see when we get to Notre Dame. It it doesn't mean it's a smooth transition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh, our final segment though. We're gonna do our Thursday night football predictions. Obviously, we've got Chiefs and Chargers this week. Should be a really fun game. I am notably one and zero. Everyone else is zero and zero and one. So I'm gonna start and influence the rest of you so you guys know who to pick. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Chiefs all the way. They showed no signs of slowing down on offense despite losing Tyreek Hill. Keenan Allen is also probably going to miss this game. He's questionable right now, but apparently there's reports coming out that he's prob- he's not likely to play. And the Chargers, they looked, they didn't look bad, but the Chiefs looked really good. Um, the Chargers defense is really good, though, too, so I think they're going to slow down the Chiefs a little bit. I'm going to say Chiefs 30-23. to 23. 
Lucas. Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. I think this is a pretty easy pick as well. I'm going with the Chiefs, 38-21. Um, I think, again, oh. a lot of what you talked about. But I think the Chiefs show this past week they were dominant whenever Arizona was great. And like you said, Jared, even without Tyreek Hill, I think that Mahomes has proven just how good he is if he hadn't already. And like that even without his biggest weapon, he's still great. And Chargers were close against the Raiders. And for that reason, I think it's a pretty easy pick at this point. Chiefs win by 17. Dang, yeah, that's that's uh, crazy. Or I mean, well, it, it, it could be completely sane actually, but good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. I'm, not, I'm, I'm uh, that'll be surprising if I see it. But Aiden sent in his pack, uh, his pick securely via DocuSign. Uh, Chargers thirty five thirty one is his pick. Mm, oh, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Bart, what do you think? I'm I'm a lot more in line with you, Jared. I think. Kind of like I said last week, like I wouldn't hate flipping a coin on this one because Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback right now, and that is going to be probably the biggest reason that the Chargers are in this game. I don't think it's going to be a 17-point blowout like Lucas. said. <laughs> I'll say that. I am taking the Chiefs, though. I mean, you two basically covered all my points already. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Chargers looked strong against the Raiders, but I was kind of put off by the fact that they faltered a little bit and, and the Raiders kind of got close. So mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable taking the Chiefs and the Chiefs are at home. So my score is 31-27. Okay. Wyatt, last pick here. In the two years that we've been doing this, I don't think a, we've gotten a single score right. I, I, I'm really questioning whether we should be, even be giving the scores. Like yeah, Jared, you, Jared, you can. They're fine. Imagine the high. They're, though, they're fine when one of us gets it right. But I mean, Jared taking his victory lap, he was way off on the score. I mean, I guess you could just no, pick Bills win. I, did I get the Bills score right? How much they scored? I think Maybe. I might have. Anyway, anyway, the game's taking place at Arrowhead. Uh, most teams come into Arrowhead and don't actually. They like to believe that they can win, but there's a reason why the Raiders took a, a victory lap on the bus when they when they actually beat the Chiefs a couple years ago. So it's very unlikely. I think that the Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be 35-24 Chiefs. Alrighty. And that is going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you guys listening. Hope we find our way on Apple Podcasts. Apparently they've blacklisted us. Uh, but we'll, we'll get back on that. If, if you don't, if you're a guy who's on Apple Podcasts and you think that we have not been posting, it's not our fault. We are posting. We just got to figure out how to get them back on there. But we appreciate you guys listening. Go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at lunchpailguys underscore. We appreciate it. Thank you.